Welcome to the Veritas Equipping Podcast, a podcast designed to provide insight, resources, and biblical wisdom. Our mission as Veritas Church is raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. Join us as we pursue Jesus to become mature disciples and effective disciple makers for God's glory. Hey, Veritas, it's Michael again. Welcome to our equipping podcast. Today, I'm joined by the Hoferts, Matt and Emily Hofert. Hey, what's we're up? Here. There you go. They are here today. All right. So this is the first, the second time I think you've heard from Matt. First time you're getting to hear from Emily. I've heard from many people at their previous church that we are getting much better from Emily than Matt. So, man, um, that's I mean, a we, high standard we you're lo- setting for me. <laughs> I'm on unstable ground in this moving process, Michael. So hey, I'm feeling a little like I'm getting my feet under me, but this is good. Yeah. So Man, you guys just moved here. How long has it been now? So we moved on the 19th of August. So less than a month as yeah. the time of this recording. Yeah. So less than a month. So you are a little unsettled we at are. the moment. Yeah. We're getting there though. What's What's the hardest part right now? What's the hardest part? I just think everything's new. You know, I like show up at the wrong Walmart for my Walmart pickup that I thought I was supposed to be at or, you know, just, I mean, everyone you meet is kind of a new face. And um, so just the newness of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything hard for you, Matt? Uh, I've been down here for like three months almost, not living, but coming down daily for work and stuff. And so I feel a little bit more acclimated. Um, I still think like all of our stuff is in boxes and here and there. And so it's like, do we keep this in a box or do we, it's just like, yeah, we're going to be in the house that we're in temporarily. And so what to bring out, what to not, but then also what does kids schedules look like? Who goes where kind of all those things. Yeah, totally. So I would say, um, you know, you guys have been here, Matt, when did you start on staff? Uh, July one. All right. So July 1st. So 10 weeks here. Um, is that right? Did I do my math? Ish, Something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at math or speaking. So anyway, <laughs> um, what we're doing in this podcast is uh, we're, we're going alongside our sermon series in Genesis. And in that series, right at the beginning, first probably three, four chapters, we're covering some pretty uh, difficult uh, cultural issues uh, that come against biblical truth. And so in a 35-minute sermon, it's kind of hard to tackle some of those things. So we're adding this podcast along to help our, uh, equip our people in a better way. We're just calling it Thoughts on Genesis and Our Culture, How the World Began and Where It Is Today. So today's topic is gender roles, all right? Gender roles. But before we dive into that fun topic, um, what is something, as you guys have just been here for a little while, what's something that you've just appreciated about Cedar Rapids? Because you've lived in Cedar Falls your entire lives, right? So this yeah. is the first time you've been outside of Cedar Falls. <laughs> so now that you've been in Cedar Rapids for a little bit, what is something that you've appreciated about Cedar Rapids? And maybe even what's something you've appreciated about Veritas? Yeah, yeah I got a couple go things. It. So one would just be the hospitality of people. I think from staff to elders to just people even in our town have been overly hospitable to us and invited our kids places and I mean just made sure that we're doing okay which I think has been super fun for us. I also think just the humility of the staff and the elders has been really welcoming. You know, something that you see from the outside and then you hear from people but then the experience at firsthand has been really encouraging. The last one, uh, Matthew told me this and I didn't believe him, but Cedar Rapids is known for some of its odors, right? 
However, uh, totally. one of the like blessings, I, I love the fall too. So just this cool, crisp weather that we're having is great. But to get out of my car and to smell crunch berries has been like a, an unusual blessing for me. So I just feel like when I walk out of the building or I get out of my car and it's like, you smell crunch berries in the air kind of on those random days. Like, this is a good day. You know, it's amazing, Matt. Yesterday we were recording another podcast with Matthew that I guess probably already been put out at this point. Um, we talked about how amazing Crunchberry smell was. I've been here three and a half years, and I still love it. Every time I smell it, <laughs> yes. I get a big smile on my face. There are other odors that I don't get a big smile on my face. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so true, though. That's awesome. I have yet to experience Crunchberry Day. I've heard about it, yeah, but it's I real. Not experienced it, so you'll know. Exactly you'll have to let me know it when it comes because no, we live just, a little. You'll know when it happens. But I'm not in town every day, so yeah. you'll have to let me know. We'll drive in town for Crunchberry Day. So, this is funny because we didn't really talk about all our answers together before we came, and I have the exact same thing written down about the humility and the staff um, that Matt was kind of talking about. I think one of my favorite parts is Matt comes home every day and is like, "I just love my job. I love the staff." Um, and just the the leaders, I just think it's helpful for people, like the average person that's coming through the doors at Veritas, like the leaders that are leading your church are just amazing, humble men that show up every day and want to serve the Lord. And who they are in a living room is the same people that they are um, on a Sunday morning. So I've just been super impressed and thankful for that. Um, yeah, the people at Veritas are amazing. Like we've been loved so well. We've had meals brought to us and just friends for my kids. People have, you know, that's a huge thing for a mama to have um, people loving on their kiddos. We have five kids. Um, and so that's been a gift to have people say, hey, you know, I'll grab your kiddo, come along and um, introduce you to another kid. And so that's been super helpful. I yeah. just think the people. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. Outside of uh, the church, is there anything that you guys have been loving or learning lately in your life? Yeah, I mean, I uh, you, you haven't been loving the church, but it sounded like you kind of yeah, loved the church yeah. a little bit. No, Are you so, going like deep on this, Matt, or uh, like learning we'll or see. loving? I'll, okay. I'll just start talking so it comes it. out. Uh, <laughs> I, I think just reminded of God's provision, you know, and once again, it was like we made the decision to move, which it's only an hour, hour and 15 minutes away, so it wasn't a huge cross-country move. But still, I mean, you're kind of uprooting where you're coming from to where you're going and where are you going to live and what does that look like and timelines and timeframes and all that stuff. And just to see kind of in the midst of it being unsettled, like what's going to happen, but then now looking back on it to be like, no, I mean, we're in a great rental situation that short term, we like the house we're in, you know, we have the freedom and flexibility to buy if we, so just to see along that whole entire process, God's provision with living situation, with friends for our kids, with relationships for us. And so just to see that once again on display has been encouraging and just reminding of, yeah, God provides. And even in the midst of uncertainty, he's working and it's going to work out. What about you, Emily? Loving and learning. Um, I love chai teas. Dirty chais are my fave. So we found a coffee shop right around the corner. That's my lighthearted loving. Um, That's like one block away from my house. So that's fun. Um, Learning. I I think I've learned in these last several years of my life that... um, hard seasons aren't necessarily bad seasons. Hmm. Not that this is, I mean, I have said over and over, I don't, I cannot think of it something that could be going better for our family right now. Like the situation we've walked into has just been great, but it's still hard to move and have new faces. And, um, so I just think that, you know, God can use hard seasons to sanctify you. And, um, several years ago, I, there's a, a scripture in Jeremiah 17 that talks about like a, 
a firmly planted tree. Um, and I just remember thinking, I just want to be that firmly planted tree that doesn't feel like I'm blowing all over the place. And mm. when hard things come, you're just, you know, wavering all around. And so I've thought of that, you know, kind of ever since then in these seasons of my life and Psalm one kind of talks about that too, but just how God can use those hard seasons to plant those roots and make them grow deeper and farther. And so just not fearing those seasons. Um, so just, and also helping your kids walk through those, you know, you mm. want things to be easy for your kids and happy kids and all that stuff. So, you know, just a season of new things and just learning that, you know, God can use that season to grow you and sanctify you. So, yeah, that's great, yeah. guys. Love how the Lord's working in your hearts as you made this move and, and he's still proven very faithful, right? All right, so let's jump into the topic of gender roles, all right? So um, when we talk about gender roles uh, in the church, in a family, what in the world are we actually talking about here? Yeah, great question. I think you can go super in-depth and detail with this, kind of high level. It's like, did God create men and women differently? And if so, what are the implications of that and what does that mean? Right, so if God created people in his image, which he did, and he created them men and f- women, male, female, which he did, what does that actually mean and how does that play out? And if they are created equally yet different, what are those differences and, and what does that mean practically in everyday life? Yeah, so why does it matter? Like if, if they are, if, if we're coming from the premise of men and women are created distinctly, right? Um, why does this matter? Why is this such an important topic? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you think about even our mission statement, like the last part of that is, is to glorify God, right? And so if God designed things a certain way, us living within that is going to not only bring him the most glory, but it's also going to result in our flourishing the most, right? And so if God designed something a certain way, it makes the most sense to live underneath that or in submission to that design, both for his glory, but then also for our flourishing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I just, you know, as he says that, it's like we've fought against that since Genesis 1, Mm -hmm. you know, to live in that design that God has made in us. And, you know, even looking back at the story of Adam and Eve. And so, yeah, it was an interesting question. Why does it matter? You know, I had to think through that. And it's just like, yeah, that is God's design. And God's design is always the best for you. You know, I think, you know, you teach your kids that all the time. Like, this is God's design. It's it's made for a reason. It's going to help you flourish. So, yeah. That's so hard to like sometimes <laughs> live out just in anything, oh, yeah. right? Like oh, yeah. I don't, I like my design. My, my design seems well, it's, way better. It's so easy you know? to, to tell your kids to do this, right? <laughs> this right. is how you should live. And then you kind of take a step back and look at your own life like, ah, crap, but I'm not living that, you know? So <laughs> yeah. yes, it's way easier to say than it is to do. Absolutely. But. All right. So this may be the, um, the, uh, the question that's going to go make us either appear really smart or really not smart here. I'm not sure. Um, but churches have handled this issue in a lot of different ways. Um, and so, Matt, I'm going to just go to you here. Yep. What is kind of the spectrum that churches have chosen in regard to gender roles? Yeah, so, I mean, you think about a spectrum or a continuum, I think that's a good way to think about this. On one end, you have secular feminism, right, which is kind of a, a pushback or a push against kind of traditional gender roles. Maybe they would say that, the Bible and Christianity, Judaism, whatever religions like that have like been pro men, you know, and really oppressed women. And so what can we do then to level the playing field and to push back and fight against that? Then the other end of the spectrum, you have traditionalism, which extreme traditionalists would say, well, 
God created man first, and then he made woman from man, therefore man's better. And it's like, well, I mean, th- th- those are two extremes, right? Which correct, clearly wrong. Okay. And then most Christian churches would probably land in one of two areas. And so you have egalitarian and you have complementarian, right? And so egalitarian would try to, I think, use the Bible to support this claim. And they would say, yes, we believe that men and women were created in God's image. And we believe that there are biological differences, clearly. But from a leadership standpoint, especially within the home and within the church, there's really no difference. Yep. You're doing great, Matt. Yeah. Is, and, mean, then, yep. and then complementarians totally. would say, no, yes, clearly they were made in the image of God, right? And so men and women are equal in dignity and worth and value because they're made in God's image. But they're distinctly and uniquely made, particularly in the realm of the church and the home they have differences yeah so equally made yet distinct in role totally so those are kind of the four big major major areas the way that maybe not just churches just the world has approached things those two in the middle would be where most evangelical churches or maybe not evangelical a lot of evangelical churches would land, right? Mm-hmm. And so Veritas is, uh, we are a complementarian church, all right? So I'm going to read our statement of faith, what's on our statement of faith about this, and then we'll jump into where did, where in the world do we get this in the Bible, all yeah. right? So this is what our statement of faith says. Men and women are absolutely equal in essence, dignity, and value, but are distinct by divine design. As part of God's good created order, men and women are to have different yet complementary roles and responsibilities in the home and church. As it relates to the church, men and women are both capable of leading. The task of elder is reserved for qualified men who are called by God and affirmed by the church. So that's one paragraph that we uh, say. So where in the world are we getting that from the Bible, though? So, yeah. What's the Bible have to say about this? Yeah, so there's really two parts to that. The first part is... um, like men and women are equal in essence, dignity, and value, right? And so we kind of mentioned that already, but Genesis 1, I mean, within the first few words of the Bible, God says, let us make man in our image. So God created man in his own image, in the image he created them. And so we, men and women, are both created in the image of God. And so there's no hierarchy there as far as, well, men are better than women or women are better than, no, like God created both sexes in his image. Right, and so from a value or worth standpoint, we're equal. Totally. Um, also, you want to dive a little bit deeper too. It's like, well, there's other ways. I mean, we get to share in salvation together, right? And so I think a verse that sometimes gets taken out of context is just Galatians three, where like there is no difference between, you know, free slave, man, woman. I mean, all, it's like, yeah from the blood of Christ, we are all redeemed and we can all experience salvation if we put our faith and trust in him. And there's not more salvation for men or more for, no, it's like, no, like Jesus and the cross levels the playing field. Right. And so from using the context there, we're talking about salvation. Correct. Yes. Definitely gets thrown out of. And that's even a passage that egalitarians will use and say, well, see, there's no difference. It's like, no, no, no. You got to understand the context. The context is salvation. Yep. Right. Um, But then you start, okay, so so there are there is equality with regards to men, women, creating an image of God, salvation. But there are also differences. And so within the family structure, I think one of the biggest passages is just Ephesians 5, right? And so um, Paul is kind of drawing a comparison between 
husband and wife, and then Christ and the church. And there are um, clearly differences there in what husbands are supposed to do versus what wives are supposed to do. And then also within the church, I mean, you look at some of the like elder qualifications. So First Timothy 3, Titus 1, I mean, some of those. It's like, no, within the church structure, when it comes to like eldership, pastoring, shepherding, teaching, those roles are reserved for qualified men. So th- those are just a couple of them. I mean, yeah. there's a handful of more that kind of, you know, piggyback off that, Colossians 3, things like that. But those are kind of two of the main ones. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think I just walk into this conversation with like fear and trembling of like, you know, people come into the gender role conversation with so much baggage, mm-hmm. you know, and so even just prepping to come here today, it's like, you know, I would much rather have this conversation with someone sitting across the table from them. Mm-hmm. So even, you know, so I can read their face and ask them lots of questions. Cause even as I studied some of the scripture that Matt's, you know, pulling up and bringing out, there was one, and I can talk about it later that I was kind of offended by, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't like that. You know, I don't like the way that sounds that women are weaker than men. Um, so I just, I just want to, you know, kind of blanket statement that before we even get into some of this, that if, you know, you hear a piece of scripture, you know, that Matt says, or Michael brings up that is just kind of offensive or you, you know, are having a hard time with, um, just make sure that you have a conversation with someone about that and, you know, talk, talk to the Lord about that and what that, you know, kind of flesh that out a little bit as I did last night. And, um, I just think this topic can be really sensitive for people that have, come into this. I mean, we all come into it with baggage and culture around us, you know? And so if I've been in a situation that I have abusive relationship with a man or my dad was not a great dad, um, this can be really hard for some people to look at and talk about. So that's just a thought I'm having as we're going into this, but, um, I think that's a great thought. I mean, I don't know that kind of was off topic there, but just as Matt's starting to dive into some of that scripture, it's like, man, this can be really hard. And I don't know if we're going to get to this too, but like the cultural differences between now and back then, God's word is still the same and it's still true. But when this was written, it was actually like freeing for women Hmm. because they were just, you know, under men completely. They couldn't even, you know, there was just, you know, Jesus was like freeing women, you know, Hmm. by saying some of this stuff and bringing them, um, you know, you know, in front of, of, you know, up to the same level as some of the men and dignity, you know, they didn't have that same dignity back then. He's saying, yeah, you have the same dignity, the same worth. Um, but now, you know, the culture is like pro women, 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 we don't even need men. Um, which is an interesting thought, you know, you do need men to actually create more (laughs) women. Um, but, uh, anyways, that's another day, but I just want to throw that out there that just as these scriptures come up and you're having a hard time with them, just make sure you're working through those and talking to someone about them. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think ultimately it's like I, as a man or I, as a woman, if I was a woman have to ultimately decide, like, as a believer, like, do I think that what I think or what I feel or what the culture says, like, is that what I'm giving weight to? Or as a believer is like, no, I am under the authority of God and his word. And therefore I'm going to submit to that. Like that's a, pretty clear distinction. Yeah. I think something else too is like you're saying, yes, sin has perverted all this stuff. Yeah. Right. And so you start talking about gender roles and men and women. It's like, no, there, there are so many examples of men who are not stepping up to the plate and just being apathetic and lazy. Then there's also examples of men who are like using this, like, well, I'm going to be controlling and I'm going to be in charge and I'm going to be aggressive because I can. And it's like, no, no, neither of those are right. 
And then from a female side, it's like you have women, and I know, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking of people in my head, right, who we've pastored and shepherded, where it's like you are getting walked all over and in a situation that is absolutely terrible, and that's not right. Or um, you are like overly aggressive, overly controlling, overly combative towards your, and that, and so we just see examples of both men and women because of sin perverting what should be. And so, yeah, it's, it's right. very, there, people are just coming with baggage because of sin, because of that. Right. And so that's, that's a good point. And that's why it's important to walk alongside a church as you w- try to, you know, fulfill God's word and the purposes of gender roles in a marriage that's sinful. I mean, and we'll talk a little bit about gender roles and just the tough job that the man has of loving the wife like Christ loved the church. That's that's a pretty big calling. Um, so, yeah, we can continue. All right, so we've kind of talked uh, high level here. Yeah. Let's get let's get ground level. How does this play out for you guys in your own household? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if we had enough time, we could talk both good and bad. You know, we, I'm sure we will get into some but of those. But you're just going to talk how great yeah. we're just going to no. talk about the good. <laughs> no. Man, this is good. No. This is how uh, it works. Yeah, I think so. Speaking, obviously, as, as a husband and as a man, I mean, ultimately, like, I have to submit myself, just like any believer does, to the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. And my ability to actually live out a biblical role as a husband and father is going to be directly dependent upon the level that I submit to Christ. Hmm. And so, I mean, even in a practical sense, it's like you can tell where where there's weeks where maybe my time with the Lord, prayer, Bible, all that stuff is like slipping. And it's like, I I, I can just feel that tension in, in my family. It just seems to create more conflict and I become more selfish. And so it's like, I just want to first and foremost say that like, we can talk about tips and tricks and here's what you should do. But, but number one, it's like, are you on a regular basis communing with the Lord and are you submitting to his Lordship? And if the answer is no, it's like, good luck doing everything else. Yeah. But if the answer is yes, a lot of this will kind of naturally flow out of there. And so, I mean, Ephesians five is huge. It's something that I have to continually preach to myself, remind myself of my marriage is supposed to reflect Christ in the church. I'm to lay my life down for my wife like Christ did for the, I mean, just all those things are like, my goodness, like that, that is hard. That's you, a high, that, high That is calling. a super, super high calling. And so you think about like when our new neighbors or, or when our, you know, the parents of my kids sports team, I mean, all, like when, when they look at our marriage, are they seeing a reflection of the gospel or, or not? And that's going to be directly dependent upon one, am I submitting myself to Christ? And then two, am I truly treating my wife and laying my life down for her like Christ did for the church? And so I think there's times where I do that well, and I'm servant-hearted, and I want to do a good job of that. I want to display that for our kids, and I come home, and it's like, how can I help? And then there's other times where it's like, I'm a little bit more transactional, like, well, I'll do this if, you know, it's like, no, that, that that's not a good display of that. I mean, Jesus never said, well, church, if you're good enough, then I'll go to the cross. Like, no, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to the cross, even though you guys are terrible. Right. And, and so I, I just think I'm, I'm continually thinking of Ephesians five, Colossians three, I mean, just some of those passages in my head where it's like, you have the responsibility to put the gospel on display with regards to how you interact with your wife. Right. And you know, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but like, what's your motivation? I think that's a, like, that's probably the biggest growth I've had in our marriage of like, my motivation 
you know, the kind of the two realms in a marriage are like loving leadership for Matt and like respectful submission, which that word is so cringy to so many people in our culture from the wife. And your motivation for doing that isn't that he's doing his job well. Like, I'm going to respect you if you're loving me well. Um, so your motivation is because you're serving the Lord. Like, it's not because of what how good of a job Matt is doing. Um, so just keeping that in mind and, uh, you know, one thing that struck me as I was kind of studying this coming, coming here is the word submission literally means to put yourself under the mission of another. Hmm. And, you know, I just was thinking through that word of like, I, my one, like a great job of mine as a wife to Matt is to put myself under his mission, you know, and how can I be helpful to help him? Um, fulfill the mission that God's calling him to do. And um, this is an example of Matt, but right away I thought of, you know, sitting in church on Sunday under Jordan's teaching. Jordan was teaching last week. And my mind, probably not where other people's were, but continued to be the ministry that Ellie served that week. You know, just Jordan probably had to put more hours in to get ready for a Sunday morning. And Ellie has two little boys at home, his wife, and just her ministry that week, nobody saw it. Nobody said thank you to her for it mm-hmm. was to put more hours in, probably cooking dinner by herself while he's finishing up, you know, getting his sermon prepped and stuff. So her ministry that week was to help her husband do his ministry. And that doesn't mean that she's not, you know, doing things that God has called her to do, but that's a huge mission of her as a wife, just to put herself under the mission of her husband. So... I just thought that was a sweet way to kind of think of that word submission. So you you said earlier like respectful submission is like cringeworthy in our culture. Yeah. Like why what why does our culture cringe at that? Well, I just think that, you know, as a woman, like I'm not going to submit to anybody. You know, mm. I'm powerful, I'm tough. I, I I don't need a man, you know. That's kind of the vibe that we're getting in this culture right now. Um so that word is just, you know, it's not popular right now. Sure. Well, and, and you start looking at just start kind of. I mean, I think this has always been true, right? But where our culture is going, it's like I want to be my own authority. Like I'm in charge. I know what's best. As long as I do what makes me happy, that's a win. I mean, that that's what people think. And so anything that would get in the way of me living out what I think I should live out is wrong. Which that's why we go back to like Genesis one like in the beginning. God, yes. this whole story is about God and not what we can get out of it. Even the way that we live our lives as husbands and wives, men and women. Yeah. Right. And so, so I mean, you know, in, in, it's easy to see from one. Well, you got to put yourself under the headship of a man. It's like, no, I'm not. But then even there's men who are like, you got to put yourself under the headship of Christ. Like, no, I won't. Right. You know. And so, I mean, it's it's not just women. It's it's both. It's like you have to submit. I mean. Uh, Ephesians 5, I mean, even before you get into the, to the husband and wife passage, I think verse 21, it's like, submit yourselves as to the Lord. It's like, no, I'm submitting to, to you, not because you do right or wrong. I'm submitting to you and serving you because of how awesome Jesus right. is. Right. And like you mentioned earlier, you're doing the same thing, not because I'm having an awesome day that day, but because of how awesome Jesus always is. And so the motivation there is like, do I put myself underneath his Lordship or not? And unfortunately, we have so many people who are just trying to be like, I'm in control. I know all the answers. What I want to do is best. Therefore, anything that gets in the way of that is wrong. It's like, that's... Yeah, and when I think of like uh, Genesis 3, the fall happens. Uh, Part of the curse of the fall is like, there's going to be enmity and strife among men and women. Mm -hmm. Like, And so 
what what you feel or what everybody all of us feel yep. with that strife is like oh shoot this is not how god designed it yeah. like this is there shouldn't be domineering husbands there yeah. shouldn't be like women getting walked all over like mm-hmm. that's not treating people as made in the image of god but it's just a like man this is this is part of the curse where we're yeah. just going to be at odds often but Jesus has redeemed that, and Correct. we can yep. live redeemed lives, right? right? Yep. Yeah. And I think, too, off that, like, I, it was really sweet for me. Like, I'm, I'm, I love being in charge, you know? I was, like, I grew up an athlete. I was a point guard on our basketball team, you know, playing through college. And, like, I, I don't like to hear that I'm the weaker of the two. So playing this out, like, working through this with the Lord in my life um, has been a process. So I just want to encourage anybody who's kind of at that point a little bit. Um, but one thing that was really helpful for me was when I, it was pointed out to me that Jesus serves both of these roles in scripture. Um, he serves as the head of man, but he also serves that like submission role as we see him go to the cross. Um, you know, he asked the father, like, can you please take this cup from me? And he says, no. And he says, okay, I'll do it. So he submits himself to the father's will and, you know, redeems creation as he's doing it, you know. And so that was really helpful for me to watch Jesus, like, show us both of these roles and um, really encouraging to me. And so, I, you know, it's helpful to talk about, like, the submission piece of it and how that's challenging. But it's also, like, I've thought in my marriage, like, in 10 years down the road or 20 years down the road, like, Matt talks about um, in our marriage, like, if he feels like I'm for him, like, that's the best thing for him. He's like, all I need to know is that you're for me. Like, you're on my team. And I'm like, at the end of the at the end of the day, if he feels like I was on his team and I was for him and I was encouraging him and putting myself under his mission, like that, those those seem like they go together. Like, I would feel pretty successful in in the next 10 years. Does that mean you can never disagree with Matt? Oh, that's a great question. Yes. No, not at all. And I, we're better if I disagree with him. But I think it's the how I disagree with him. You know, is it in a respectful way? Is it like in a demeaning way in front of my children? Is it talking to my friend about how awful he was in this situation? No, like it's how I disagree with him. It's a good timing that I come to him and say, hey, you were really harsh with that kid yesterday. Did you know that? Did you realize that? You made him cry after you walked out the door. Like, Jeez, not Matt. that he's done that. He's so not harsh. That's a bad example for Matt, but just I mean, something I, I along the I may have lines. done that and had to apologize many times. <laughs> yes. The number of times, Matt is pretty steady. Like, I've, I've not seen that. That wasn't a good example. But just come to him at a time. You know, you would say timing is real important yeah. about how, how and Well, and, and it is. And, and it's like, you. I mean, you, you can even like, within a day, I mean, you can see where I lead well and I'm serving. And then like five minutes later, I'm being selfish, (laughs) you know? And I, I mean, just kind of my personality and I mean, you can speak more into this Emily, but it's like, I'm overly confident in my answers to things. Like I I just think that I'm right, you know? And and so, so, but it is super helpful for Emily to say, actually, no, that isn't right. Thankfully though, I think big picture we align with our values, we align in our faith, and that's mm-hmm. made things pretty smooth. Right. So like when it comes to, to big things, how do we parent? How do we discipline? Are we gonna move to Cedar Rapids? And I mean, like those types of things we've been in alignment with because we're on the same page. Can we talk about like you that's guys moving? Point. Yeah, right? sure. Like how did how did this play out, gender yeah. roles play out? Like, yeah. So did Emily have a voice to say, 
I don't, you know, no, I'm not moving to Cedar Rapids or yeah, yeah. let's do it. How did that play out for you guys? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll try to keep this quick. You can expand or, you this know, is whatever, a good example. but, but this is, so, uh, Jake called me however long ago and was like, can I, or texted me, can I call you about a job? I'm like, sure. So he explained it to me. I was like, here's the deal, Jake. I'm probably a one out of 10 to, to say yes. With that said, do you still want me to come down and do lunch or dinner or whatever? And he's like, yeah, sure. Come down. There's, when we hear a one because we're in Cedar Rapids, you're saying there's a there, chance. Yes, there's a chance. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! Somebody even like yes. is 10%. going to consider this. Yes. Uh, so, but then I honestly got to a point where I was like, I don't want to waste their time. I'm so leaning out um, that I'm just going to call them and tell them no. And then Emily was like, You're not going to go have dinner with them. So, so she she actually is probably Can I play out this side yeah. of the conversation. Yeah, I'm waiting for my moment here. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He was like a one, and I'm like in the back of my head thinking, "You're a one." Like timing wise, this just felt like a good situation. He's talked several times about the staff at Veritas Cedar Rapids that he's known them a little bit and would love to work with some of those guys. And I just in my head thought this feels really right. And you're a one. Like, I didn't say it like that, but that's, that was kind of what was going in my head. You so, moron. so I was like, I'm just, I was like, just give it some time. I'm going to pray over it. You know, just like, I'm not going to say much, but when he said he wasn't even going to go eat dinner and just check it off his list, I was like, eat, go eat dinner. Like there's no harm in eating dinner. And so just Never that encouragement. Yeah. Right. No. So yeah. So, keep going. so, so, so then I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. That's Great, great yeah, input. You did, yeah, you just kind of took that and you were like, okay. Yeah, so, so then we went down and ate dinner and, you know, had, it was great. And it was March Matt. I mean, it was just great environment. So my, my number went from a one to a two. And then kind of as the weeks progressed, days progressed, whatever, um, we just kept talking about it. Like, what do you think? What do you think? Here's pros, here's cons. And, and we just continued to grow in alignment. And the one became a two, became a five, became a yes. Did you smell crunch berries in that no, process? No, you but a higher number? we we went to a restaurant that had uh, an appetizer where the coating on the fish was mm, crunch berries. There you go. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know if that. Has uh, we to should do with that. use that as a recruiting strategy. Figure out with Quaker Oats when this crunch <laughs> yes. berry day, and we're trying to recruit new staff. We got to have them on that day. All right. Sorry, I'm getting way off. So like. In that situation, I think that's such a great example of, all right, Matt, I'm, you're trying to lead. Yep. You're trying to submit to Christ. What God, what do you want? But Emily's going, I'm not just going to sit here and be silent right. and be right. quiet. Like, I have a voice. God's right. given me a voice. I'm allowed to speak up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not just allowed. You're, like, totally free to speak up to that. You right. did it in a respectful way. Right. And it helped, like, you guys discern oh, yeah. the calling that God had for you. But I also know, like, I think just from years of marriage, I didn't want my voice to steer him. I wanted God's voice to Mm. steer him, you know? Mm. So I was like, I I think this feels really right. And we have a tendency in our relationship for me to be like the go person. Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go, go. And then Matt's like hesitant, hesitant, hesitant. And he gets to the point, like, let's go. And then I kind of freak out, you know, Mm. like we've, we've worked through that a lot of times in different decisions that we've made. And it is playing out that way a little bit now, but, um, but I just, I knew like, I knew I, the way I felt, but I didn't know if it was right, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to pray through this. And I just watched his heart continue to change. And we just kept looking at each other like confirmation. We just, how many times did we say the word confirmation? Like just, conf- you know, we're getting this confirmed and over and over again, all the way till we moved up to here. So mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say, you know, that in a way of like, I knew the answer and I wanted to come in and tell you what it was. It was more like, okay, I, 
I feel really right about this and you're about ready to close the door. So let's, let's just kind of keep the door open and give God a little bit more time. So yeah. What is this? uh, This is not a question that I prepped you guys for. So sorry about that. But, um, what is this like when we talk about gender roles, biblical gender roles, like how does this put God on display? Yeah, for sure. Because I think we can get into it and like try to figure out the the details and make it about us, even in trying to do it the right way, the the legalistic way. Like, what does this demonstrate about God to our world? You kind of touched that on that earlier with marriage, but right. I mean, it just helps our marriage work in a way that displays the gospel. You know, it displays you know it, it it's a picture of that. And so, if we're working in a way that God created us, that's going to glorify Him and display Him more. Yeah, and I mean, like going. it's it's uh, I mean, it, it follows like God's creative order, right? And so you look at Genesis one and how things were created in Genesis two, and then um, it, it also parallels the church, right? So you think about this, and it's like I, as the husband, get to put on display Christ's sacrificial, servant-hearted love for His church. And totally. And people get to see that. And then Emily gets to put on display Christ's sacrificial, I mean, life and death, you know, and submission to the Father's will. And, and so, so that, if done well, I mean, really does paint a picture of the gospel. So whether it's other believers who are encouraged or other not, like, why do you guys, I mean, like, I, I can't tell you how many times, like, I've had conversations with people who refer to their spouse as like an idiot or a moron or a boy. It's just like, gosh, like mm-hmm. that, that, that's just, that is not putting on display the, the gospel, Mm-mm. you know? So it's like, no, if I truly see all of humanity created in God's image, including my wife and see that God knit her and made her a certain way, the way she is, her personality, her tendencies no longer are annoying to me, but it's a beautiful thing. And how can I help her to flourish? And, and how and, and that just doing that, I mean, puts the gospel on display. Yeah, I mean, it just it represents like Christ's headship over over yeah. the church, right? right. Like yeah. that He is the one in authority, mm-hmm. but the, the church gets to like freely act within that headship and enjoy that headship to go, man, I don't have to be the one in charge, you know, right. even though I Definitely. want it sometimes. But like it, that seems like, and Emily, you can speak into that. It seems like a, a freeing thing to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Moving here. I'm like, well, if this really sucks, it was your idea. So <laughs> I'm going to just throw that back to you. But I, I, that is totally true. And you know, sometimes I think, man, it's a lot to like take care of these kids all day or this or that. But I'm like, man, the weight that Matt carries as a leader in our family, just that's huge. So, and I I also want to throw out there, I always feel like I need to talk about this when we talk about marriage and parenting also. Like we have a ton of fun doing it, you Mm -hmm. know, like don't forget to like enjoy each other and laugh together in the process. Um, One thing Matt and I like to do is like just play pickup basketball in the driveway. We don't literally, literally, well, okay, I'll I'll get there. I'll get there. (laughs) Um, 
we are like, we're looking for a house to buy. We need a house to buy. We want kind of, I, I should throw that out there right now. We need a house to buy. One of the top threes is like, can we put a basketball hoop in the driveway? Like nobody else has that in their top threes. But all that to say is we like sit our kids in the driveway and they like have to watch us. Like you don't get to play right now because mom and dad want to play. And sometimes we work out like conflict that way. Cause it's like, let's just play some basketball. So anyways, all that to say is just have fun with each other too. In the process, don't forget, you know, this is such a heavy topic that don't don't forget to enjoy each other, take each other on a date, um, have some fun. So. Hold on. Who wins the so basketball wins? games? I'm not letting you get well, past that. Well, here's the deal. Um, if it gets close, I mean, you can't see us through this podcast, but Matt just posts me up and, you know, hooks it in. Shock so attack. he'll, he'll but win you're just submitting, in the end. right? You're just submitting oh, and letting no. him win. You're letting him win. No. When he played basketball in high school, he got five fouls and they were all charges. So it's, he does, he has, we, sometimes like he's a, like, the first I, two minutes of the game. I can't play against the kids because I can't like regulate myself. So, and he doesn't <laughs> lose to the, that's the real reason the kids are sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> yes. Because Matt's going to yes. hurt them. He doesn't lose to the children either and never has. So. Yeah. I, I think though, I mean, we're to, getting old though, Matt. So yeah, this might yeah. change. But I, I think to just continue to kind of answer question, I mean, it like if God created men and women equally yet distinct, and that means that he's placed desires and just like Im- imprinted like a calling on my heart and on Emily's heart. And so as a man, I don't always do this well or perfectly, but I really do like have a desire and feel called to like lead my family well. I mean, I feel called to protect them. Like if somebody comes in our house at three o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to hide in a corner. Like they're like, I, I I mean, I just feel that like innate desire to protect and care for my I just family. Picture like Rambo coming out with a, a yeah. flaming arrow. Like he I would delight know. in that moment. <laughs> yes, so, yeah. So I, I almost want to give you my address just to see. No, no, just kidding. Oh my goodness. Uh, but so, I sleep by the door, just so you know. Like <laughs> I feel like we need to switch this around. But I mean, this is the other thing too. Like I. I feel just this burden to like provide for my family, you know, and that, that's been easier and harder at times, just depending on context and situation, all that stuff. But I mean that like that, that I feel like is written on my soul. Like these are my responsibilities towards my family and I want to do those well. And those are burdens that I feel that, that you might feel to some degree, but probably not to the level that I do. And then there's things like you're overly nurturing and like, Hey Matt, have you noticed that such and such kid has been, it's like, I, no, I'm blind as a bat. Thank you for pointing that out to me, you right. know, and so. Yeah. All right. So, guys, we've talked about a lot. We probably need to wrap this up here soon. What If there was if there's one thing that you wanted somebody to take away from this podcast, what would you, whether it's something you haven't said or something you want to, like, double down on, what would you want somebody to take away from it? Oh, man. If you've got something, Kay. go. Well, I yeah, I mean, I, th- I think first and foremost, it's you got to ask the question of is – the word of God, ultimate authority in my life or not? Then if the answer is yes, which if you call yourself a Christian, it should be, then what does it look like to submit myself to his word? And then what does it look like then if I'm a male or or a female to live into the distinct way that God has created me? I mean, I I think that's, that's fundamental. Yeah. Um, but then it really is. So speaking from, from a guy standpoint, like if I could just get a room full of guys, like guys, God has called you to be bold and to lead and to serve and to really pour into your family, into the church. Like don't sit on the sidelines. I mean, don't, don't be passive. Don't, don't be an observer. Don't, 
you know, I think a lot of reasons, like within the context of marriage, why you look and like, well, it seems like the 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 wife is taking the lead. It's not because she's stubborn all the time. It's because the husband's not doing anything. Yeah, she has to. Yeah, she. I mean, she she's filling a void that that the man is not filling. You know, and and so I mean, just like in, in an encouraging slash challenging way, I just want to say to guys like. Be the man that God called you to be. It's not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're, you're going to screw up. But that's why he died on the cross. And, and that's why he redeemed marriage. And that's why Jesus loves and cares for his church. And so you have an opportunity to serve in two very important contexts. One's your family. One's the church. And step into that with the power of the Spirit and, and live out the life Christ has called you to, to live out. Yep. Emily, you got anything? Um. I'm going to, I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm going to piggyback off of that. We didn't talk a lot about like, what if your husband is a crappy leader, you Mm -hmm. know? So those are situations where you got to work through maybe like one-on-one with somebody. Um, But I want to say like, when your husband is trying to do it, encourage him. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember vividly, you know, when you're like a first time mom, you like think, you know, like all the things and my kid needs to sleep at this time and eat this thing and only that thing and not that and do this. Um, and I left to go do something for a couple hours and Matt had the kids or whatever, like he does often. Um, and I came home and I was like, that is not how I would have done the last two hours. You know, like, I think they were like laying on the floor wrestling. I don't know, probably, I don't know what, I, I can't remember the situation, but I remember thinking, cause there was many times where I came home and I'm like, he didn't do that right. You know, and I was kind mm-hmm. of annoyed, but this time God opened my eyes to, he didn't do that like I did, but that wasn't worse. That was maybe even better. That was maybe what they needed today. And so, you know, just as your husband steps up to lead and maybe awkwardly tries to do a Devo at the table over lunch after church or something like just encourage them and build them up and try to breathe life into them and help them do their job well as a leader in your household. And, you know, what does that look like? And a practical question might be in the morning um, is just ask him, like, how can I help you today? How can it be helpful mm-hmm. for you today? And just see what he says. Yeah, man, this is good stuff. I feel like we could keep going on for a long, long time on this. Thanks for doing this, guys. Yeah. Do you guys have any, um, just any other resources that you would point out that are, whether it's books, podcasts, articles, anything like that, that our church could grab a hold of? Yeah, you go. We've taught through a book several times at our church. That was the one that I thought of, and the name of it's escaping me, but you probably have more. Uh put you on the spot what was yeah. the name of that book the marriage Ke- book. Ke- keller book meeting a marriage yes there we go yeah so i mean i think if you're looking at like marriage specifically meaning a marriage by tim keller there's a marriage book by paul david Tripp, which is good i think if you're looking for something quick um i've a lot of times like gone to desiring god or john piper i mean he has sermons books but then he also has like quick little articles i mean all the stuff's free for the most part and so that's been super helpful i think uh like this is getting a little bit nerdy for some of you maybe, but like systematic theology, Wayne Grudem, I mean, he has a lot of these types of things where he writes, here's the two different sides and here's what scripture this side uses and here's what scripture this side uses and here's based off of what scripture says. what." And so some of that to help flesh out. I, I think a, a resource that I'm turning people or a person I'm turning people towards a lot lately, especially if they're like, well, yeah, but you're a, you're, you're a white dude who's a pastor who has to say these things, like is a lady named Rebecca McLaughlin. Uh, she's super smart. She has her PhD from Oxford or Cambridge or something. And she would say like, I am a Christian who has same sex like tendencies or attractions. Yet she's married. So, so she's, she's the atypical, I mean, she, she, she isn't a white pastor in America, right? 
yet she's very biblically sound. Um, I think she has a quick uh, article or something called like um, something something from a reluctant complementarianism. Like something, yes. so helpful. Yes. Like show something, notes something, yes. on the something something something, something, something yes. website. Fiber. Good luck finding that. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's like con- confessions from a reluctant complementarianism or something. But she, I've just found some of her books and some of her podcasts and some of her um, resources have really spoke to people who might not go to John Piper right away, you know, or, or like if there's a, a woman, like there was a, a woman in launch point the other day who was just like, I don't I, like, I'm having a hard time with, with uh, male leadership in the church. Like she might be a good resource to go to just cause I think she's mm-hmm. biblically sound yet comes at it from an angle of like, I am a woman and I do have leadership potential yet. I I'm trying to live biblically. Yes. I'm yeah. trying to live biblically. Great. So, Awesome. Um, thanks again, Emily, yeah. Matt. Really, really grateful for you guys and grateful that you're here at Veritas. Yeah. Uh, our church is going to be better because you're here. So thanks for thanks for being here today, doing this. Guys, uh, we are, I think this is concluding our Genesis podcast here. This is the last one. Uh, more podcasts to come, though. But until next time, let's keep maturing as disciples, living as everyday missionaries, and glorifying God in everything that we do. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Veritas Equipping Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to address or ideas on how we can serve you better, please reach out to us by email at info at veritascr.church and put podcast in the subject line.